You're listening to a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hi, I'm Emily Littlejohn, a general paediatrician, and today I'm speaking with Bridget Jordan, who's an Associate Professor of Social Work at the Royal Children's Hospital. This is the third in a series of four podcasts on infant mental health. Welcome, Bridget. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit about the topic for today's podcast? So the focus for today is thinking about illness and hospitalisation from the toddler's point of view. Uh, we often don't think about uh, pre-verbal children and how they make sense of the world. So uh, today I'll talk about a framework for understanding how they react to their experience of illness and medical and nursing procedures and also discuss the difference between uh, tolerable stress and trauma. So what do you think is the most stressful thing for young children about being in hospital? Well, I think there's really three things and maybe the one that we're most um, kind of familiar with is their apprehension about pain. So people often think um, very carefully about how toddlers might be frightened of a procedure. So that's uh, the first. But the second is also their concern about bodily integrity. I'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. And the third is any hint of parents not being present is also um, stressful for them. In terms of body integrity, I think thinking about uh, toddler's development and where physical mastery fits in toddler development is quite important. So, you know, think about a baby when they learn to stand up, when they learn to walk, when they learn to run, when they learn to jump, they are just so proud. Mm. They are so clever. You know, there's such delight and there's such pleasure and we also take great pleasure in Mm. it as well. And it's sort of like, if you like, you know, KPI 1 in their job description is mastering these physical developmental milestones. Um, So I think it must be really, really confusing for them when their body stops working or there's a regression in skills or they're sick and they feel physically wobbly, they can't stand anymore um, or, you know, not so confidently um, or there's some kind of neurological impairment that kind of gets, uh, you know, has a kind of movement impairment component to it. Um, And so first of all, there's that experience of their body not working that I think must be very confusing. But then secondly... Um, you know, their usual experience is if you persist, persistence pays off. So I always think about that advertisement there used to be for batteries and they had, I don't know, some mechanical toy. And it will fall over, get up, fall over, get up, fall over, get up. So, um, but that, that is the image. And that is what a toddler who's learning to walk, you know, they take two steps, they fall down, they are up again. They're not in tears. It's like they they have this window where they're immune to what it feels like to fall down. And so their experience is, I just persist, I keep going, and I learn how to do it. And that doesn't work in this circumstance. So I think that must really mess with their heads. Um, and I, I also think that um, progression is is the sort of child's view of the world. So, you know, first of all, you stand up and then you can walk and then you can run and then when you're really big, you can go on a scooter. And so they have this kind of linear progression view of physical accomplishments. And uh, so regression is really undoes that. Like regression is going backwards. How do they make sense of that? So it's very confusing, isn't it? I think so. And so how does their emotional development also feed into this? Yes, so... um, Toddlerhood is a time of rapid emotional development and lots of emotional uh, turmoil. 
you know, it can be a time of really, 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 really big feelings. And um, so the toddler's learning to manage big feelings like intense rage because the parents won't let them do something or give them something, intense love, um, sadness. Uh, so these great big feelings, they're learning to manage them. But they're also learning to navigate the kind of conflict between going their own way, um, having everything the way they want it, and having to fit into society's expectations and parents' expectations. So it's a time when um, parents are saying, no longer is the universe going to revolve around you. We have some expectations now. And so, and that can be, um, there's sort of pride and pleasure in growing up and being more grown up, but it also can be most annoying because you're no longer the centre of the universe. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of kind of conflict, and there are lots of big feelings associated with all that. And in and they also want to be in the parents' good books, even though that means they might have to sacrifice getting their own way. You know, it's all a great big intense juggling act. It is tricky. Um, and as part of that, they switch between feeling omnipotent and powerless. So, you know, that child's nursery rhyme, um, I'm the king of the castle, you're the dirty rascal. That's about, I think, toddlers' omnipotent feelings, I rule the world. And it's very short-lived and then there's a crash, which is why you get such highs and lows of toddler emotion because they have these brief experiences of triumph and then it all comes crashing down. <laughs> um, so, and they also have, you know, quite idiosyncratic ideas because they're trying to work out how the world works when all this is going on. And so they've got some kind of interesting ideas about cause and effect, what leads, you know, how does A lead to B? And um, they also see the parents as quite omnipotent. And, you know, it's a new idea that there are actually limits to parents' power because parents are the government. Parents run the rule or, you know, run the world. And so why can't parents stop them being sick? Why can't parents stop the nurse or the doctor doing that mean and nasty thing to them? So, you know, they might feel let down by the parents that the parents can't protect them from that. So, and we, um, uh, you know, we often don't give them very good explanations. So that will feed into that as well. So what are some of the signs that, that children are anxious about hospital treatments? So I actually surveyed um, the nurses on the surgical ward about this and I, I just asked, um, what do children under five demonstrate when they um, are anxious about procedures? And um, they listed a number of responses and what I found very interesting was and concerning was that it was children having routine OBS who showed these responses, not just children having non-routine procedures. There were things like avoiding eye contact, loud verbal protests, like saying no, um, crying, screaming, moving their limbs, kicking, vomiting, even in the extreme, hiding under the bed covers, turning away from the nurse, clinging to parents, and also nurses mentioned things like elevated blood pressure and heart rate. Mm, so even in the routine nursing ops, this is this is what they're observing. Yeah, yeah. interesting. So are these are these signs of trauma? Uh, so, uh, the definition of trauma is, uh, well, you tend to talk about a traumatic events. So, a traumatic event is frightening, dangerous or violent that poses a threat to the child's life or body integrity. And, and so, it's really important with children to think about this from the child's developmental point of view. So, it's the child's subjective experience. If that's what it feels like to them, then the event 
can be traumatic and then can have a traumatic stress response. Even if it's not, you know, seem even if it doesn't seem traumatic to our point of view, objectively. Objectively yeah. doesn't meet those criteria. It's not a threat to life objectively, but if that's a child's experience, mm. then it's a traumatic stress for the child. Right. And there is um, now a definition of paediatric medical traumatic stress, um, which is about both the psychological and physiological responses that children and families have to pain, injury, medical procedures, invasive and frightening treatments. Um, And these responses do include symptoms of arousal, re-experiencing and avoidance. And a lot of those examples that the nurses gave actually fit into that definition of arousal or avoidance or... um, uh, some re-experiencing ones as well. So um, it's worth thinking about that. I wouldn't necessarily say, because it's actually a very healthy adaptive behaviour. It's someone's coming at you with a needle to do your best to make them go away. That's like, right. That's yeah. survival behaviour. So that's healthy. It's adaptive. Yes. It's what you should be doing as any self-respecting three-year-old. Yeah. It's telling them to buzz off. Um, so I wouldn't immediately name them, but it's worth, as traumatic, but it's worth keeping our eyes on. And certainly if they persist, then that's what I would be worried about. So what then is the relationship between the stress and the trauma? And how do they yeah. relate? So um, all children face stress every day. Uh, and uh, coping with stress uh, is what helps um, sort of build the ability to cope with further stresses as life goes on. It's part of learning about life is uh, learning about how to cope with things that are a bit challenging and a bit hard. And um, the Harvard Centre for the Developing Child has a quite nice framework, I think, uh, where they make a distinction between um, uh, positive stress tolerable stress and toxic stress. And I think that's a really helpful framework in this concept as well. Um, So can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so positive stress is uh, associated with a mild increase in heart rate and stress hormones. So uh, what's important is this is about physiological as well as uh, subjective emotional responses to um, stressful situations. And uh, positive stress is uh, sort of what gets you out the door in the morning when you're running late, really. Mm. Like, you know, you do have a bit more resources at your disposal. And for a child, it might be something like coping with a vaccination or if they've been very well prepared, still the first day of childcare or the first day of school might be a bit of a challenge. And that's kind of positive stress. Right. Then there's tolerable stress, which is a serious stress response, but it is temporary and it is kind of buffered by supportive relationships. And it can be a serious challenge. So the current bushfires might fit this criteria because that is a really serious challenge. Right. But with um, helpful explanations and with supportive relationships and with the community kind of rallying around, then most children will get through that. Hopefully the event will be time limited and there will be ongoing buffering support. So right. that would kind of fit tolerable stress. And then toxic stress is when a child's exposed to strong and frequent and prolonged adversity um, with not enough adult support. And the example tends to be given um, in situations of child abuse and neglect. Lots of those children would experience toxic stress or exposure to family violence or um, extreme poverty. But I think it's a useful framework for thinking about some infants and toddlers who are in hospital for a long time or who have um, multiple impinging treatments or invasive 
um, procedures. So I think sometimes what we need to do to children in order to save their life is kind of beyond what's positive or tolerable for any child, no matter how emotionally available their parents are. It's like right. the load on the child is just a bit too much. Yeah. Um, but also, as we talked about with um, newborn infants, the parents' capacity to buffer, they have every intention of buffering, they want to buffer, but their own distress kind of gets in the way for the amount that they're able to, um, amount of emotional support they can provide the child in that situation. So some of that could you could think we could describe as, as toxic stress I in that setting. I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so is there any sort of evidence to support well, those I think ideas there is. of toxic yeah. stress? So um, we did a study here where we looked at preschoolers who had um, congenital heart disease and we compared, um, we looked at cortisol reactivity and regulation in uh, these toddlers and preschoolers um, who had surgery in the first six months of life and compared them with children with heart disease who'd had no surgery or later surgery. And we actually found significant differences in the weekend cortisol regulation. So these children had less cortisol expressed on awakening and a flatter curve. And that is similar mm. to patterns of children who are living in significant adversity. And it mm. was different to their mothers. Their mothers actually had similar patterns to the control group. It was the children. So this was the children's own physiological difference, mm. which I think could have um, been caused by their early experience of illness and surgery. Right. And then... Um, when they came to our patients, we took cortisol before they had the echocardiogram and then 30 minutes and 60 minutes later because you should usually get a kind of recovery by 60 minutes after a peak to meet the demands of the stressor. And the early surgery group, their cortisol just kept increasing, um, whereas the control group, it um, peaked a bit and then it um, reduced. So... I think, well, it That's was. pretty concerning, isn't it? So they're yeah. experiencing more more stress than because of their earlier experiences. Yes. And then um, there's another um, neat experiment done, uh, well, concerning too, done by um, a group in Toronto. And people might be familiar with the still face paradigm and have seen the video of the still face. And that's um, where the mother is interacting as usual with the baby and then holds a still face and um, holds it for a certain period of time and the baby gets very distressed because it's kind of non-contingent. Um, and so that's a uh, often used in research sort of stress um, to test stress reactions of babies. Uh, and in Toronto, they randomly assigned mother-infant dyads to two situations and um, one group got mum doing the still face and the other group just got normal interactions. They took cortisol um, as they went into the lab room um, and then uh, I think it was 13, 60 minutes afterwards. Anyway, they measured the response as well. Then 24 hours later, the babies came back to the same lab and they measured the cortisol again. And the babies who had been subjected to still face, they had an elevated cortisol response right. as they were going into the room. So their body was saying, ah, this is stressful. I've been here before. I anticipate this is going to be stressful again. So I think I'm convinced that uh, this as evidence of anticipatory anxiety and so and this um experiment was done with six-month-old infants so 
you know, infants in hospital not forgetting what you did to them no, yesterday absolutely. or two weeks ago. Um, they are remembering, they are anticipating, they are alert and alarmed and in their body. It's not just a kind of subjective emotional experience. No, absolutely. So given those concerns and what, what we know about that, what, what can we do about this? How can we minimise it? Yeah, so um, I, I guess one of the reasons why I think the toxic stress model is so useful is because it's got that model about, uh, it's got the framework of too much demand on the child and not enough buffering emotional resources. So right. I think in situations like this, what you need is to reduce the impingements on the child or reduce the demand on the child and bump up the emotional resources. And so if you appraise any situation that the child's in, in those terms, then I think it can be helpful to mitigate the kind of impact and reduce the likelihood that they're going to end up in this toxic stress or traumatic uh, response state. Mm, right. Thank you, Bridget. Um, so what, look, what I take away from our discussion today is that for a toddler um, being very sick, their, their body's not working properly and it can be very confusing uh, because toddlerhood is a time where they feel really in charge of their bodies and, and proud of their accomplishments. Um, and also you've given us a really helpful framework to help minimise uh, the risk of negative psychological outcomes um, for toddlers when they're stressed in hospital. Um, and I believe, Bridget, that the next podcast um, will be about how to communicate with toddlers about their illness and their treatment. Um, and this will be really important as a way of reducing the, the stress on them and also providing more emotional support for them. So we look forward to that podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please view the description section below for more information on this topic. The Education Hub is a collaboration between the Royal Children's Hospital and the University of Melbourne Department of Paediatrics and funded by the RCH Foundation.